1: Ladies and gentlemen, Brad Wenzel. Brad Wenzel is an ingenious stand-up comedian who currently calls Los Angeles, California home. Originally from just outside of Detroit in Monroe, Michigan, Wenzel has been doing stand-up in his unique one-liner style for about eight years now, and he's earned praise and support from the likes of Patton Oswalt and Amy Schumer along the way. Third Man Records recently released his hilarious debut album, Sweet Nothings, And because I love it so much, I called up Brad, and we had a talk about his life in Michigan, his comedy heroes and style, the podcast he and a friend make celebrating the underrated work of Bob Seger, his future plans, and much more. With in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and of course, listeners like you who make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash creativecontrol, Download episodes. Subscribe to this show. Tell your friends to subscribe to the show. You don't tell them, you know. You don't insist. Just offer, suggest to them that they subscribe to this podcast. If it wasn't for you, this would not be the 420th episode of Creative Control featuring Brad Wenzel and your host, me, Vishkana.
0: Thank you for that very standard reaction that I definitely get at every show. Thank you for that. <laughs> A week ago, I performed for eight people. This is, that was very nice of you. I appreciate it, thank you. All right, here we go, all right. Easing in, getting used to me, okay. but yeah. uh, I always feel weird just launching into my jokes. Uh, let's just, uh, let's just count me in from five. Let's just count it down from five together, and then I'll go, all right, all right, all right. Here we go, in five, four, three, two, one. So the other day... The other day, uh... The other day, a bird shit all over my car. There's no actual shit. He just made a lot of negative comments about it. (laughs) They flew away. That's the whole joke.
1: That's all of it. It's going to be a lot of stuff like that. All right. Here we go. Hi, Brad. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. It's nice to speak with you. Uh, Where in the world are you today?
0: I'm in uh, my apartment in uh, Los Angeles right now.
1: Oh, cool! That's I've heard of that place. How's Los Angeles doing these days?
0: It, it's uh, it's good. It's very hot out, um, and I but I haven't been outside yet today, uh, and I kind of have the blinds drawn, so it's very dark in here. Uh, and I drank a bunch of coffee, um, so I don't know what's going on out there. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out there soon. Uh, probably after this uh, I'll re-enter
1: the world. Okay, well that sounds healthy. I mean the latter. The, the the rest of it didn't sound quite as healthy, but that sounds that sounds good. <laughs> now you are, if I know anything about you, and I know very little, which is why I called you, frankly. I just wanted to learn more <laughs> about you because I, I really enjoy your new stand-up record, Sweet Nothings, by the way.
0: Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. uh, Thanks for uh, uh, writing about it.
1: Yes, I did. I wrote a little review of it, a uh, very short brief, uh, celebratory review for Exclaim magazine here in Canada. And uh, and yes, and yeah, so now I'm following up with a call. That's what I do every time I review something. I just call the person up to be like, was it okay? <laughs>
0: well, yeah, you did great. It was, <laughs> it was very flattering. I, I appreciate
1: it. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. My wife and I were enjoying the record just the other day and uh, she's a big fan now of yours as well. I want to, I, uh, my point here is that I believe you're a Detroit person. Is that correct?
0: Uh yeah, I uh, that's where I started stand up. I would uh, I didn't grow up in Detroit because that that if I were to claim that I would be a poser for sure. <laughs> uh, but I grew up uh, about a half hour or so uh, south of Detroit. But comedy wise, that's the scene that I, I came up in.
1: Okay, and what was that like for you? I don't is Detroit known as a a comedy hotbed per se.
0: Um, I don't think it's known as that but there is a good uh scene there. It's a really I think it's a very underrated uh place to start. Uh, I think it it gets overlooked in that sense. Um but it yeah, it is a good scene and um and uh, a few people have come out of there. Uh but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good a uh, good little, little place to start. You know the I always say you know you know the uh, movie uh, 8 Mile?
1: Yeah, I've seen that film.
0: Yeah, it's nothing like that at all, Um, but it's, uh, yeah, you just kind of drive around. There's a lot of small cities close together in southeast uh, Michigan, like uh, Detroit and Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Toledo, Ohio, and um, like Lansing, Michigan, are all like kind of within like an hour, Uh, Lansing's a little further, but they're all close enough that you can kind of keep uh, just driving between those cities and getting getting a lot of stage time if you uh, if you have a car and you're kind of ambitious about it, which is kind of how you have to do it out there.
1: Yeah, and, and so how long have you been away from Michigan? How long have you been out of that uh, state?
0: Uh, just over two years now. I moved to Los Angeles.
1: Okay, and, and do you have, like, we, you know, it hasn't quite been, what has it been, five, six years since we heard that Detroit uh, sort of had, uh, was, you know, done essentially like oh the
0: yeah the bankruptcy that was uh 2012 i think and uh but it it, it's weird because that was i think that's right when things started to sort of turn around a bit so i had this big sort of public sad looking headline about it but it was kind of from then on that things started to Uh, Like, they're still working on it, obviously, but the vibe was that things started to gradually get uh, better after that point. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so it's not, uh, people are more, there's like a stigma uh, about Detroit that I think is uh, kind of overblown. Like, it still has its problems and stuff, but it's not, people act like it's a third world country or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, did you, growing up in Michigan near Detroit, uh, did you have a, was it relatively safe, good, upbringing and that kind of stuff yeah where
0: i grew up like like i said where i grew up wasn't detroit at all like i wouldn't (laughs) i wouldn't classify it that way yeah Uh, yeah it it was um where i grew up was almost more teetering on rural like i grew up in a smallish town monroe uh uh, which is pretty small and then i grew up kind of on the outskirts of that town so kind of out in the boonies um and yeah it was a there wasn't a lot of anything it was a lot of um I grew up across the street from like a golf golf course, a public golf course, and a sod farm, which is just grass. Uh, they just grow grass right. for like people to come by for their lawns. So, and then that was like corn at a point. So there wasn't like a lot of anything. Uh, that that's why I think um, becoming a comedian and stuff is always. Uh, uh it's such a contrast just cuz like I, I grew up in a way where uh, once I got older I would go somewhere with tall buildings and I was like wow I can't believe how tall these buildings are. Uh so <laughs> it's uh it's very yeah it's it's very different than LA.
1: Did you have the experience growing up in, in well you're ostensibly saying that you grew up in a suburb of Detroit I think, right?
0: Yeah, though it wouldn't people there wouldn't even, it's too far to even count as a suburb of of Detroit. It's like a half hour, which by that point, uh, it like doesn't count anymore. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no,
1: no, I, that, that's fair. But did you find that you had to, when you came of age and could go to Detroit, is that where you got your kind of cultural fill of stuff? Like, is that what you would do?
0: Yeah. Every, uh, every, any town I went to, like, I went to college in Toledo, uh, which is, uh, Monroe, where I grew up is halfway between De- Detroit and Toledo. So I remember Toledo is a fairly small city, but when I was like 17, it felt like a, a, like going to a big city. Um, and then, uh, I spent a lot of years and, uh, my girlfriend went to the university of Michigan. So I spent a lot, a few years, uh, living in Ann Arbor and, uh, that was, that was definitely more, uh, a lot more going on there, mm-hmm. um, than, than those other places and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I would say the that's sort of the nature of comedy in general you you travel a lot and you get to expose yourself to different places and things like that.
1: So like you're growing up and and you're living your life I like and and so how do you come into contact with comedy uh, first of all do you remember what it was was it TV was it a magazine did you see someone perform what was it it
0: was uh it was TV it was um, Comedy Central um, they used to play when I was a kid, they would play like stand-up specials, especially the like the half hour the Comedy Central presents. They would play those at like three thirty in the afternoon, like a lot. So you just, as a kid, could just kind of stumble upon uh, stand-up, and uh, and that's how I found like uh, uh, Mitch Hedberg and Stephen Wright and a lot of the the one-linery guys that I like uh, loved when I was a kid and uh yeah that that's what I would say where I saw it at the first time
1: so you you, you described uh Stephen Wright and Mitch Hedberg as one linery guys. I think uh you're quoting my review of your record at this point you' <laughs> mention one linery things like you you are do you do you do you believe in this label for yourself? Are you a one liner comic
0: I would say so, yeah, I do short jokes. I have a few. Longer ones, uh, so I mix up a little bit uh, as the as kind of the longer I'm on stage, the more I think I'll mix it up um but yeah, overall, I would say I would be in that genre
1: okay, so what what is drawn you you mentioned those two comedians and and the way they made that work for themselves in their own unique and idiosyncratic way, but what is it about one liner comedy that appeals to you? I mean you you mentioned you're mixing it up, but I'm just curious, like did you try? Different longer form stories and jokes, and then just figure out that maybe the one-liner stuff was more satisfying.
0: No, I was doing short jokes like right out of the gate. Um, that's how I've always done it, and I found that that uh, that's what I'm good at, and that's what works. Like I, uh, if I could tell like a ten-minute story, I would do that. But I don't. I'm not particularly uh good at that stuff. Maybe I will be down the road, maybe it could change. Um but I kind of always wrote short jokes. They just um they weren't as good. And then you you just over time you get you get better at writing jokes and and performing them. Um so yeah, that was kind of I think you you every comic just kind of does what they're uh capable of. Like I I I'm not sitting on a bunch of a uh, amazing uh, stories necessarily but i think a lot of um great storytellers can't write concise jokes and uh, i think you you look at the there's strengths and uh, advantages to to either way mm. so i think uh, you just kind of lean into what what you're what you can pull off
1: yeah i'm i'm i was wondering as you were speaking i was just pondering asking you whether or not you describe it almost as a genre which i i think you're being kind of facetious I guess but uh, <laughs> uh like it is a it is a mode of joke telling I suppose for sure and I'm I was yeah. going to ask you if you thought it might be underrated on some level but then I was thinking of the rise of people like Anthony Jeselnick or Dimitri Martin yeah. there's a certain school of one-liner comedian that are just doing really well with it and um and I'm just curious though I I guess I I will revisit this thought I had do you think it's not taken as seriously maybe as other more confessional or storytelling comedy
0: i think there, there's uh maybe a minor stigma or it's not it's not the hot thing right now i did i do think of it as a genre like like you said there's jeselnik dimitri Hedberg, Stephen wright emo phillips galifianakis his stand-up is like that that's true yeah um, there's just so many usually people only know one Person is the thing like the average person knows like one of those guys and they're like, oh, that's that's the only person who does that. But there's there's a pretty big spectrum. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say uh, I think there there's a vibe that um, there, there's definitely emphasis on, on more uh, personal and confessional type of uh, stand up. And I think that's great. Um, I think that's uh, uh, amazing. But I think sometimes people get the impression that if you are talking about something more observational uh, or say say you do a joke about, um, uh, let's say, coasters or something, the impression is, well, anyone could tell that joke. Mm. Uh, But I don't think that's true. I think that people forget it's actually really hard to write a really great joke about coasters and tell it well. And uh, uh, I think that's what made uh, Mitch Hedberg so great was uh, his jokes, uh, most people couldn't pull off. Um, he Only it was the way he was saying it that made it so funny. And if someone went up and just tried to repeat what he said, it it wouldn't work. And I think that's usually the case. Jessel Nix, another guy, is like, uh, great delivery great timing i don't think just anyone could do his jokes but i i think sometimes that's the way it's looked at it's like well well anyone could do that but i, I don't necessarily think that's the case
1: no i mean anyone who's seen justin lick and watched him engage in crowd work as well i mean that, yeah that is it's an astonishing thing uh to see him do stuff like that uh, i have to say um, and I mean, do you? I don't want to get too academic or clinical about it, but do you see what is your? What do you think of the relationship between observational comedy and and one-liners? Are are one-liners sort of a subgenre of longer form observational comedy? Like I think of people like Seinfeld, uh, who you know obviously uh, was a giant of observation, is a giant of observational comedy, but there was always this sense that. I think that people resented the fact that they didn't really get to know him (laughs) as a person. (laughs) Yeah. And like with a one liner, like obviously I have a sense of your perspective on the world, but it's also you're making kind of observational jokes and uh, it's not as it's not personal on some level. Anyway, I mean, maybe you already spoke to this, but I just find that kind of fascinating. Like do you is there a self-defense mechanism there too? do you not want people to know that much about you as a person?
0: There might be on some level. I I just don't think I'm that interesting. To be honest, <laughs> I I'm I'm kind of, I'm just uh, I don't I don't know if uh, if it if it's that uh, yeah I just don't know if it's that interesting. I, I think I would rather just uh, tell a funny joke, I guess, um, than uh than talk about me personally. Um,
1: but we're in an age where everyone is interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's true. I think <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> boring people. I think I'm fairly boring. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, and this could all change. You know, We could have this conversation in, in five years and I, I could have a radically different um, actor uh, opinion on it, I guess. But yeah, for right now, I think it also came from starting stand-up so young. Hmm. I was uh, 17 when I started. So no one wants to hear about your opinions or your life when you're 17 but you can kind of get away with talking about things everyone uh knows like everyone knows birds so if you tell a really good joke about birds they're gonna be like yeah that's pretty funny um and so maybe that's part of it uh but yeah that's just sort of how I figured out how to do it I guess uh, I don't know if that answers the question no no
1: I mean it's just sounds like this is this is this is our way of knowing you I mean this is an extension of you and your belief in the fact that you are boring and that your jokes <laughs> are more interesting than you your work is more interesting than you
0: I would say so And my friend uh, Mike czar is a comedian and he uh he's he's a close friend of mine and we do a lot of shows guy on the road and stuff and he he's under the impression that people learn about me from the jokes um when i'm on stage like more than you would think um so maybe there's something to that but that's just his opinion he he said to me where i'm like i've i've said like maybe it's i've i've expressed like concern where i'm like maybe it's bad that i don't talk about myself more and he's like i think people learn more about you than you realize when you're on stage, um, uh, maybe just in a sensibility way. Uh, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure.
1: Well, you you have a. It sounds like to me you have a certain amount of of uh, modesty, and I'm calling you today from Guelph, Ontario, which is about four and a half hours from uh, Michigan, let's say. And, oh, cool. Well, I'm just curious if Canada. And I don't mean to make this all about us, but did. Can- <laughs> Did being so close to Canada have any impact on you? Did you absorb any Canadian culture, Canadian mannerisms, anything like that?
0: Um, I would say, yeah. I go. Uh, I would go over to Windsor uh, and do shows. Um, so that was my usually my brush with Canada was going across the D- Detroit River to go do shows there, and then. Um, Tim Hortons is my favorite coffee, and it's super uh, prominent in Michigan, and I can't get it in Los Angeles, and it's a real it's been a real tough time for me. <laughs> uh, I love Tim Hortons. And when I'm back in the Midwest, I seek it out uh, very aggressively,
1: okay. so it's primarily our coffee chain that uh- yes. As the, head the not our
0: if people ask if I'm Canadian from time to time, and I and I'll say, well, uh, Michigan, so about as close as you can get, I would say, uh, as far as the states go.
1: Right. So you feel a little Canadian?
0: A little Canadian, yeah. I think I think Michigan's the most Canadian part of America, if you had to pick.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that actually, or maybe upstate New York. Would you? Maybe no, upstate New York definitely has an American feeling. I would say. Yeah. Whereas Michigan does feel like there seem to be more deer on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. There's a lot of deer. Yeah, I guess there's just, there's too many. That's how. That's the way it was always framed to me is that there's there's like just too many deer now, and yeah. it's like kind of a problem. But... Yeah,
1: yeah. No, it it is a it's, it's it is. I think there's too many deer and too many geese. There's just Canadian animals are taking over. I think
0: it's. I think it's because they're so majestic. People don't want to eat them as much. <laughs> But they're very pretty to look at.
1: But. Yeah. No, I, I I hear you there. So I mean, you're on this uh, record label with this record. I mean, before we get to Third Man Records, which is a a company uh, that was founded by your fellow uh, Michigan native, there Jack White. Uh, before we get to that, I'm just curious about this this set uh, this set that appears on Sweet Nothings. How long did it take you? Did you say you're 17? How old are you now?
0: Uh, 25.
1: Okay, so you've been at this eight years. Yeah, and does any? I just did some. Do you see that? I did math. That was amazing. <laughs> that was very quick. Yeah. <laughs> so, is is any of this material uh, stuff that you uh, that you know is part of your origin story? Are you are you well past that? Like, I just curious if any of your earliest material is reflected here.
0: Um, there's a handful of jokes on there that are really old, and a lot of stuff that was fairly new too. It was it was a pretty big mix. Um, I would say the. Uh, there's a joke I did about um, Jesus's dad being really nitpicky about him uh, raising from the dead. I wrote that joke in study hall when I was in high school. Wow. Um, so that's a really old one. And then um, there that joke about uh, Boy Scouts, Boy Scout patches, how they would work harder if their shirts were full of holes. That's also like a, like probably, that might be the oldest joke on the on the album.
1: Oh wow! Okay, so you, that, this that this, was an what, old one. Yeah. Is that purposeful? Did you want this to kind of reflect the the eight years you've been working on comedy?
0: I think those jokes were just like you you stumble when you when you start out, you're not very good, but you do stumble on a few good jokes, um, and those were just what uh, that was. Like I was like, oh, these no, these jokes are still good, and they changed the wording of them changed over the years and stuff and got better. Um, but I think it was just like, no, these, these are good enough jokes to put on the album. Um, but the, for the most part, it was, um, stuff from the last few years. I would say there, there's plenty of, uh, sometimes I'll have people at, uh, shows back home come up and be like, yo, you didn't do the joke about whatever. And I'll be like, oh, I haven't done that in like seven years. You just haven't, (laughs) you haven't seen me, you know? Is, is
1: that a weird thing? Like, uh, you know, musicians are used to doing the same song for maybe their whole career. Uh, but is that a weird thing that people want to hear a certain <laughs> joke? They know the joke too. Like, why do they want to hear the? Is that weird for you?
0: Um, kind of. because usually if I'm not doing it, it's because I didn't like it and I wanted to get rid of it. Um, so it's uh now now with now I have to replace everything on this album over time. So now if I'm not doing it, it's just because I'm trying to replace it with new material. But there was a lot of stuff early on that I was like, oh, this is this might work or this is okay, but I don't think it's that good. So there was there was probably like three or four years ago, there was a bit of a purge of old jokes. And I started to uh, that's when I knew I wanted to record an album was I got to a point where I was like, "Okay, I have an album's worth of jokes where I like all of it. I don't dislike any jokes on here. Um and, but also there was a lot of stuff where I was like, the idea of telling some of these jokes a year from now makes me uh, cringe. So I either need to put it on something or I or they're just going to fade away um, and probably never see the light of day. So I, I, I kind of got to that point where I was like, all right, I have enough. I think they're all good. I can put this out and uh, and move on, you know.
1: Do you remember the first joke that you wrote that worked? I mean, I assume you started out with some things and worked on them and refined them, but do you remember? I mean, is it even represented here? Do you remember the first joke that you wrote that, that you thought ah, I am on to something here?
0: Um, I would have to somewhere not here, but somewhere back in my parents' house. I somewhere there is the set list from my first set, and if I looked at that, I could probably tell you what it was that connected the first time i can't i remember the first like thing i said when i went on stage for the first time um but it wasn't it was a riff it wasn't like a a pre-written thing um i remember
1: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how
0: good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care Oh, you know what it probably was? It was a joke about, um, uh, it was a joke about, uh, if I, if I was in a band, uh, I'm not in a band, but if I was, I think I'd name it, uh, have you seen this child? Uh, then then people would be uh, more likely to take your flyers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's very strong. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, um uh yeah and then uh, yeah it was uh i think the act out was uh, have you seen this child we're pretty good <laughs> and then uh and that was i think that was probably in that first set and probably the first you know joke and then like years later like i realized uh hedberg had a joke about flyers that was really funny and i was like you know what? I'm i'm people are already gonna compare us i'm already too similar to that guy so i think i nixed that joke later on but i think that was um uh, uh, one of the first ones that was really consistent.
1: I see. Okay, and and you know, you you mentioned that you came up with a kind of a a music joke. Was music uh, significant for you?
0: I mean, I'm a music fan. I guess uh, I I took guitar lessons when I was 12, but I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. I would, I didn't quite have that skill. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I always I always enjoyed music uh i didn't i didn't participate in it a ton necessarily but i was just a, a fan i like grew up listening to a lot of like classic rock and stuff like that and um and yeah i still yeah i still listen to music a lot
1: now you have a, a, a am i correct you you actually co-host a podcast about bob seger oh yeah
0: pod seger yeah me and uh, my buddy comedian uh trevor smith uh we're both from michigan and uh yeah, I'm just a huge uh Bob Seeger fan, so we started a podcast about him, and uh he's underrated so we we like to talk up uh
1: you just talk' him up,
0: yeah, basically well we'll sometimes we'll do we change the format a lot we'll we'll uh sometimes we'll talk about a specific album, uh but what we've been doing a lot now is bringing in a guest, uh usually another comic who also likes Bob Seeger, and that's co- sort of a An open-ended conversation about like why why we love Bob Seger and it's uh, it's pretty fun it's fun to make it Uh, and uh, I just yeah I I, I find Bob Seger endlessly fascinating.
1: Yeah, I was at uh, a Bob Dylan show at the State Theater in Detroit once. Or well, I went. Oh yeah, I went. I think I know where you're going
0: with this. Yeah, yeah. I was.
1: It was weird. I went to two nights of. I think he was maybe was doing three nights, and I went to the second and third one. I think is what it was and on the second night apparently earlier in the day the governor of Michigan declared it to be Bob Seeger Day so Bob yeah. <laughs> Dylan ended his set with a Bob Seeger song.
0: Yeah, yeah. I um there was an interesting thing. There's only like one book on Bob Seeger. There's they, they've made like no books except for this photography book. And there's a story in there about how when when Bob wrote that song, uh he played Get Out of Denver. Yeah. And I guess he wrote it initially. He wasn't like thrilled about it because they, I think they wanted to make it a single and he didn't feel like it should be. So he kind of was annoyed about that. And then, uh, we, what happened was he went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that day. Uh, and so that's why it got declared, uh, Bob Seeger Day, which has happened like a bunch of times over the years. And and uh, uh, yeah, Bob Dylan, uh, Played that song, so it was kind of a it was kind of a funny story to be like ah he was annoyed about the quality of this song or something like that, and then Bob Dylan thought it was a good enough song to play, you know.
1: Do you think Dylan knew that when he did the song?
0: No, I don't. I think he just thought the song was good. Oh, you know, kind of a behind the scenes kind of story. Like in retrospect, this is kind of funny that he he was annoyed with this song at one point, but Bob Dylan, who's you know, uh, 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 someone. Bob was a Seeger was a fan of, and you know, is obviously one of the greatest songwriters of all time. He's like, "This is a pretty fun song. This is a good song." (laughs)
1: Yeah. And And then the third night that I uh, went to the see uh, or the that Uh that third show or whatever it was, I went. My wife was with me, and I said, "You know what? I would not be surprised if either Eminem or Jack White joins Bob Dylan at the end of the show. Some at some point during the show." And she's Uh like, "Okay." And then who who should come out? at that show, but Jack White, and they did a White Stripe song.
0: That's amazing. That would be really fun to watch.
1: It was ridiculous. They did Ball and Biscuit. So I, this is, a, <laughs> I think, a little bit of a segue, unless you want to plug your podcast some more. I, it sounds interesting. I'm going to check. I haven't listened to it yet, but it sounds cool.
0: It's a fun, if you're a Bob Seger fan, it's fun. And then the I recommend the guest episodes. It's just like a fun hang uh, just in general even if you don't know Bob Seeger that well it's just a fun listen so it's pod Seeger and it's on all the usual stuff
1: do you do you think there's um misconceptions about Bob Seeger based on some of his biggest hits like do, do you think that, that people have a narrow view of the guy
0: yes absolutely um I think he's uh sort of put in this very narrow uh he is a blue-collar guy but people almost put him in this very narrow narrow light when uh he has like a pretty crazy body of work uh more than just people usually know uh old time rock and roll and like like a rock and that's about it but he has a he has a crazy body of work and uh he's a really uh smart artistic guy and i don't i don't think people i don't think he gets the the credit he deserves i i think uh He's just as good as uh, as uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen is, but he doesn't get the same uh, sort of critical acclaim and stuff. And, and it, just in general, he's for for how big he was, um, he doesn't uh, get put on the same pedestal. And that's what uh, Trevor and I talk about is uh, is he's kind of he's kind of underrated. He, people sleep on Seeger, so we like to remind people that Seeger's the man.
1: Is is he or his camp? Is anyone associated with him aware of your show?
0: I have no idea. I don't, I don't think so. Um, but uh, maybe. Who Who knows?
1: Okay, we should make that happen. Let's Let's get because yeah. you know they did that uh, talking. You two to me show. You know Scott Ackerman and or uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman have these U two and R E M shows, and at the end of the initial run of their U two show, who goes on the show? But you two.
0: <laughs> that would be. Uh, Trevor and I had joked about that. If we can get Bob on, that'll be the finale. Yeah. Well, well, because you can't, you can't top that. But uh, yeah, that would be pretty sweet.
1: Does he still live in Michigan?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. So we 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 have to make this happen. I I'll do whatever I can <laughs> to to make this happen for you. I uh, I want to uh, ask you about uh, this third man records. Oh no! Before that, I sorry, it was on my mind. Can you recommend some Bob Seger records for me to listen to, just so I can dig in that's what i was thinking i just yeah. forgot to say it
0: i think my favorite one overall if you're just gonna throw one on would be live bullet um that's the one that broke him uh nationally uh it's a live album recorded in detroit and uh it's just amazing and the, it's kind of a so he had success as a very young guy with a rambling gambling man mm-hmm. and then he put out Over the next eight years, he put out like eight more albums, but they weren't like they were uh, received well locally, but not nationally. And then he kept becoming more and more popular in Detroit. And then he recorded this live album, which is basically a sum of all the best stuff from those eight, eight previous albums. Okay. And and on top of that, they just a lot of songs just sounded better live. Like he just performed the shit out of it. And then uh, I don't know if I can swear on here. Um, yeah, you can.
1: But, anything goes. Okay, anything goes in Canada. It's fine.
0: Okay. Cool. And uh, so that is what broke him nationally. And so that that I think overall is like the most fun one to just throw on. I would say Live Bullet. And, okay. Uh, yeah. And then his next like three albums were all huge successes.
1: Okay. Live Bullet. I will start there because I have to confess I have not dug deep into Bob Seger, but now this Pod Seger podcast. Makes me think there's a whole world I need to discover.
0: It's important we talked.
1: (laughs) I I think so for multiple reasons at this point. (laughs) Now I want to speaking of music. uh, You are now affiliated with uh, Third Man Records, uh, which is primarily a music label. They do all sorts of things. How did you become associated with this label?
0: Uh, So I did. They have a a place set up in Detroit um, called the Cass Corridor. And they have a, a vinyl pressing factory in there and a store and also like a, a performance space. And a comic uh, from Michigan who, who I started out with, uh, Zach Martinez, started uh, putting together stand-up shows at that place. And so I got uh, booked uh, a little over a year ago to do a show there. And so I did the show and it went really well. And the two dudes, uh, Rowan, Dave, who like run that operation were there and they really liked it and, uh, had a really good time at the show. And that was just really good timing. Cause I guess, um, they were saying Jack White had just been in there, uh, like a few days before and was kind of, they were talking about stand up and he was kind of saying like, what happened to, to kind of one liner. Comics like that's not as uh, popular now, but I like that and then like a few days later I I showed up and did my show and they're like, oh, this is kind of what he was just talking about um, so uh, they were like we should uh, We should do something and I was like, well, I'm I'm booked at a club to record an album But I don't have a label yet. And so they're like, oh, well, you know, we're a label <laughs> and so I gave them the phone audio from the show I did it in their place, uh, and uh, I think they passed that along to to Jack, and he liked it, and then we kind of got the okay, and then things just kind of went from there.
1: Nice. So that's that is a true... It's not rags to riches. I don't mean to disparage your life before you encountered Jack White, but maybe yeah. it is. I'm still
0: rag. Things are pretty rags now. I'm still. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you open your, your album by saying that the week prior you'd played to eight people. Is that, was that true? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I did a whole run of shows to get ready to completely varying sizes of crowds. Like some shows were packed and, uh, one show was like, uh, eight people. And, uh, yeah, that was that's just kind of how it goes.
1: That's it's remarkable, but I mean this is a testament to your talent if I might say. Like they heard why and you say it's timing and luck and that's part of it too, but you 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 should feel good about yourself, I would say, Brad.
0: Oh, thank you. I I'll, I I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to do that. I'm terrible <laughs> with compliments cuz I, I I'm like I need to stop arguing with compliments. <laughs> Um but I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, so what's sort of next for you? I mean, this is just this record as we're speaking is just out uh, it's not even been a week I guess since it's been out. Is it being received well be- besides me and my review? Are you getting nice feedback about it? Yeah, it seems it
0: seems to be uh, uh the Comedy Bureau, which is the uh big uh, LA comedy website did a nice write-up on it also. And uh, people have been saying nice things uh, and uh, to me uh, personally, so it seems like people people liked it. Uh, I mean, if they didn't like it, I don't know why they would say anything to me. So maybe people <laughs> are quietly seething about it. But uh, it seems like people like it, which is nice.
1: And do you feel a sense like, uh, like there's some momentum here? Like are there, is there chatter about opportunities that you're like, whoa, what? What's going on?
0: Um, I hope so. I I hope it, it leads to that. There's definitely um, with uh, Pat Oswalt tweeted about it and Amy Schumer tweeted about it, which is really nice of them. Uh, which I think helped kind of get the word out uh about it, and so, um, it it feels like there there's more. I guess yeah, momentum would be a good word for it. Uh, but I don't know uh, where it will go right now. I, I'm not sure.
1: Right now, you you've opened for Patton, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I've
0: opened for him uh, a handful of times, and uh, he's always uh, very uh, kind and uh, nice to let me do that. And so it was, it was nice with him to tweet about it.
1: Right. So you have that association. Do, do you have any uh, association with Amy Schumer per se? Like, how, do you know why? What prompted her to do that?
0: So Amy Schumer is a very interesting thing because we've never met him person um but after i performed on conan uh last year and after i did my set uh she sent me an email because she was watching the show because uh the second guest uh was an actress and uh who's her friend and so she was watching conan and she saw my set and she sent me a really nice email uh and i was like oh this isn't real and then uh (laughs) And then it ended up being real, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" So she was just like, "It was just a very nice, you know." If there's anything I can do, uh, like your funny, email. And so then, uh, when the album was coming out, I was like, "Oh, this this would probably be a long shot, but I can just let her know it exists, you know." Yeah. And uh, and then she was like, in like in like two minutes, she like tweeted, uh, tweet like posted about it, and so it was uh, yeah, it was very very nice of her.
1: That's amazing. See this is everything I feel like everything's going great.
0: Yeah, I'm just really broke. That's a, that's uh. all <laughs> that's all I got to do. Like I have I have a very weird life because I very um uh my comedy resume is very good. Uh but like I'm uh, I drive, uh, Lyft try uh lift and I'm uh trying to, you know, make rent and stuff and so uh, creatively things are great. Uh, but, uh, it's a, it's, 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 it's a weird, I'm in a weird place in my life.
1: That's exactly how I feel. And I have some years on you. There's something going on within the creative sphere. I think where a lot of us are, and by the way, I'm not certainly not putting myself in, in your league, of course, but we, we make things to make them and then something happens to them sometimes, but it doesn't all. It translates into, um, Cachet and not cash. If I might make a stupid pun, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you've got the cultural cachet, but you're not making uh, enough. That doesn't necessarily translate into dough. I guess is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at right now because it's you feel um, it feels uh, I guess dishonest in a way uh, when people are kind of like, "Well, you got figure it figured out," and I'm like, "Kinda, you know." Uh, uh, I'm I've been very Fortunate and uh, and thing, I am happy with how things are are going. But then you're also like very aware of uh, of uh, the lack of stability, also. So you're like, I'm I'm doing well, but I also need all the help I can get. Kind of feeling
1: right. Well, if it's any, again, this is just my perspective up here. But uh, I think it does feel like you're on you're on the right track or whatever. You know, like things seem to be. I, again, I don't want to be one of these people that is saying. You're doing fine, but I, I'm happy for you because this record is is fantastic, and uh, and I, I I'm glad it uh, I'm glad I encountered it recently, and I'm glad we had a chance to speak as well. Um, where where can people go to learn more about you, Brad, and and potentially you know I know you're shy, but follow you online and all that stuff. Where where do you send people? Uh,
0: my website's bradcomedy.com. dot com. That'll have like. Uh, tour dates, stuff like that. And then uh, it's at Brad Wenzel on all the social media stuff. So if you just type in my name, I should be there. And uh, yeah, check out the album.
1: Are you the only Brad doing comedy? How did you get bradcomedy.com?
0: It's funny. Everyone says that, but I always look at it as a failure because I wanted bradwenzel.com and I couldn't get it. It was taken. So I got bradcomedy.com as a backup. And uh, but people are always very impressed by that.
1: <laughs> what does the other Brad Wenzel do? I don't want to promote something that just,
0: it doesn't go to anything. Some some guy just was like, I just want to have this and not use it, and uh, he beat me to the punch. So you know,
1: nothing I can do one email to Amy Schumer, and you'll get that domain back. Sure <laughs> she's very powerful. I'm sure it's just that someone's just parking it so they can you know sell it to someone like you.
0: Yeah. Well, at this point, I'm like. I'll just be bradcomedy.com.
1: <laughs> bradcomedy.com is, is just fine. Uh, would it be permissible uh, to play uh, one of, uh, I don't know, one or more bits from this record right now? And and if so, do you mind selecting one or more of these bits for us to play?
0: Yeah. Um, put, I would say the um, the third track is called Something Inspirational. I think that's got some good jokes on it.
1: Okay. Is there anything you want to tell us about the formulation of this joke or or anything that, I know it's called something inspirational. Did anything inspire it? Oh man, I did it. Sorry. Um, is there anything you want to say about it beyond that?
0: Um, I, I just think it's, uh, I think it's the best track on there in this sense. It's just a, a run of jokes. I really like, I would, that's all I would say. Uh, um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a good that's that's my go-to when I when I look at all the tracks. You go, oh that that's a pretty
1: good one. Okay, that's that's fair. This is something inspirational from the record "Sweet Nothings" by Brad Wenzel. Brad, this was a really really fun for me and a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and you know, keep your head up. Best of luck to you. Everything's going to be great.
0: Thanks, thanks for talking to me. I really appreciate it and uh, and, uh, continue uh, making this podcast and and writing reviews. (laughs) Did you know uh, that you can just uh, buy a redwood tree? You can just do that. You can just go online and order a giant sequoia. I didn't know that. I planted one in my parents' yard, and uh, that's a slow burn, but that's a pretty good prank. (laughs) gonna be a real big tree <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people think uh, think the middle finger is the most offensive hand gesture and those people have never given someone's baby a thumbs down uh, <laughs> Way worse. (laughs) This is something inspirational I like to keep in mind. I find this very inspiring. Uh, Early on in his career, uh, Dr. Seuss was rejected by 27 publishers. It's like no matter what happens, don't ever let anyone tell you that you have to like Dr. Seuss. Of course it rhymes. He's making up the words. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's something I noticed. Uh, I noticed that a, a woman wearing overalls is always a thousand times more open-minded than a man wearing overalls. <laughs> Like, like she's a bisexual art student. He hunts squirrels from his porch. Like the only thing they agree on socially is there's no such thing as too many bumper stickers.
1: Special thanks to the very funny rising star, Brad Wenzel, for appearing on this, the 420th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and and also on things like YouTube, Spotify, and Audio Boom. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, for some reason, on any of those platforms, it's possible. Or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, Follow us on Twitter at Vish Creative or at Vishkana. You can listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit Patreon.com slash Creative Control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. It could be in any amount you choose. It could be $2 million a month or $1 million a month. It doesn't have to be two. It could be $1 million a month. Go to patreon.com slash creativecontrol and please pledge at least $1 million a month. Your support is greatly appreciated. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts, of, of course. Uh, I have to thank them, too. That this this All of the in-kind support and free coffee and donuts and pizza and books that... These places provide me. It's great. Thank you for that. Thanks to my dear friend, Jim Guthrie. We listen to comedy records and comedians all the time, and we laugh about them. And he, he loans me his song, The Rest is Yet to Come, the instrumental version of that song, for the uh, end credits of the show each week. So thank you, Jim. JimGuthrie.org for more info about him and his amazing music. And you. Thank you for listening to this show. Thank you for listening to this episode up to this point. I mean, you've gone the whole, almost the whole way. And that, that means a lot. I appreciate you listening to this show and, and if possible, you know, giving it a nice review or rating on your podcast platform of choice. And certainly downloading episodes helps a lot in, in this modern age. So if you download the episode, that's great. And again, subscribe to the show, subscribe to the show. That would be the best way to keep up with me. And, and this program is to actually subscribe to the podcast. That's all I have to say for now. I will, I will talk to you very soon, and I, I hope you're well. And uh, that's it. Bye for now.